Welcome to the Birmingham Bible Conference hosted by Glen Iris Baptist Church. We extend an invitation to you to come visit us at 1137 10th Place South in Birmingham. The Monday through Wednesday a.m. service begins at 11, or you can join us at noon each day for the delayed broadcast of the morning service. The evening service begins at 7 p.m., or you can join us for the live broadcast each evening. Returning for this year's Birmingham Bible Conference is Dr. Brian Green from London, England, where he has pastored the Calvary Baptist Church for over 50 years. Dr. Green is a gifted preacher and teacher of the Word of God, speaking in many conferences as well as the director of the annual Highly Bible Conference held in Hertfordshire, England. We trust you will find help and encouragement from God's Word today as we now join the Glen Iris Baptist Congregation for the Birmingham Bible Conference. It is so good to have Dr. Green with us today. Haven't you enjoyed his teaching and preaching? And Brother Green, we're glad to have you with us. You come and preach to us this morning. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very pleased again to be with you and to share in your conference at this time and indeed to have the young people with us in, in the service. That's an extra bonus as far as I'm concerned and it's lovely to see you in the house of God. I want to speak to you today continuing the theme which I began yesterday about leaders. Yesterday we saw the greatest leader in the promised land or should we say the first leader in the promised land. And the first leader in the promised land was Joshua, and we saw something about him. In fact, the word of God doesn't say anything bad about Joshua. Remember I said that yesterday, you may not remember it, but uh, he certainly was a very remarkable and a very wonderful person. And God used him right to old age. He didn't die till he was 110 and he worked up till the very last of his life. Now today we're going to think about someone else, but what we're going to think about today is the first king in the promised land. Now if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I want you to turn to a, a verse from Scripture, because everything we say we want to base upon this book, the Word of God, the Bible, and we believe that it is totally inspired of God, so that it's true from start to finish from uh, the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. But I'm going to speak to you from 1 Samuel. So if you have your finger in 1 Samuel, uh, I'll be turning to one or two scriptures. But 1 Samuel 26, and I'm going to read you just one verse at this stage, which will be the verse of our text. So it's 1 Samuel and chapter 26 and verse 21. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was uh, pre precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool, and have erred exceedingly. Now, I'm not going to speak too much about that particular verse, but it does introduce us to King Saul. And it's King Saul that I want to speak to you about, the first king of Israel. Let me remind you, if you did not know before, uh, that I'm just telling you for the first time, uh, that uh, there was a, a king appointed because the people had rejected God. 
God always ruled the land through the prophet and the priest. Samuel was the last of those who were judges, and it's called judges in the word of God, and there's a whole book, of course, uh, that uh, is about them. But the last judge was Samuel, and Samuel was a prophet, and he was also a priest, and he was also a judge. So he did the work of three and did it very, very well indeed. But the people came together and they said, we want a king to rule over us. And uh, here they were asked, why did they want a king to rule over them? Because God was the king and God was in charge. They said, we want to be like other countries. And so they copied the heathen, and in copying the heathen, uh, they appointed a king. Now, God blessed the king, there's no question about that, and uh, we'll see in just a moment. Saul was the one that was chosen and I want you to notice something really about him. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, we'll see here that he was physically impressive. You could never mistake him and you looked at a crowd, you would see who was Saul. And why did, why did we say that? Well, chapter 9 and verse 2 says this, And he had a son, that is Kish, he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upwards he was higher than any of the people. Could you imagine just what that, that happened? Here's a crowd and there's one person who is higher and bigger than anybody else. So his shoulders reach the top of their heads, or their heads reach the top of his shoulder, and his head was above everybody. I expect you know people like that who are very, very tall, uh, and, uh, well, it's good to see them. Uh, and he was physically impressive. He also had a very good attitude. If you, if you still have open 1 Samuel and chapter 9, if you look at verse 21, it says there, And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least in all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou to me? This is, of course, he's speaking to Samuel. And he now is very humble about it because Saul is going to anoint, Samuel is going to anoint him king, and he's very humble. He says, I come from a very small family, and my tribe is a very small tribe. When you look at the tribes of Israel, it's very interesting to see where they were located. Benjamin was located alongside Judah, and Simeon was there as well. They were all amalgamated into one. So that when the tribes split in two, and you had the northern tribes and you had the southern tribes, then uh, you will find that the tribe of Judah, which we always reckon to be just Judah, it wasn't. It had Benjamin in it because Jerusalem was in, it was in Benjamin and it also, of course, had Simeon that was uh, amalgamated in the tribes as well. But that's another story because we're thinking about Saul who was from Benjamin. And also we know this, that uh, he was uh, physically, uh, physically uh, attractive, impressive. His attitude was inspiring, uh, but he was spiritually ignorant. When people talked to him about Samuel, he didn't know who Samuel was. 
And when he saw Samuel, he didn't recognize him at all. Now, that was very strange because Samuel was the most important person in the land. And yet, uh, this person, whoever he was, Saul, the son of Kish, this tall man, didn't even recognize and didn't know anything to do about uh, Samuel whatsoever. The Bible tells us that he was out looking for his father's asses and he went to try and find where they were. He, was, he spent three days and finally, of course, he had a message that they'd come home anyway uh, but he was still out looking for them and people tell him uh, that you must go to the prophet and he'll be able to pray for you or he'll be able to tell you exactly where they are but he didn't even recognize him, didn't even know who he was. Uh, but it was this man that Samuel recognized he was to be the king. He was to be the one that God would bless and God would use him. So his background was obscure. He didn't really have any good background whatsoever, just the son of Kish. Who was Kish? I don't know. And nobody can tell you who he really was. He was a nothing and a nobody. Sometimes, you know, God takes people like that uh, and, and those who are nothings and nobodies, uh, maybe their parents didn't have much to do or say in life, but God takes that person and blesses them and uses them, and that's what he wanted to do with Saul. Now, when we saw uh, yesterday and we looked at Joshua, we said that Joshua was a total success. He really was. The important thing to note here is that King Saul was a total disgrace. He was a failure. And that's sad, isn't it? I'd like to be able to speak to you about people who are a great success in the service of God. But sometimes it's very important for us to uh, realize that not everybody is. Some people are failures. And if I were to divide up this congregation this morning, uh, and I can't do that, and I won't do that, and I will not even think about it almost, if I was to actually be able to divide up, those of you would be a success and those would be a failure, well, that would be quite remarkable, wouldn't it? It might surprise some of you who, where, where you would be. Uh, but make sure that you're not a failure, that in your life the Lord is always first and the Lord is the one who is the king of your life. And that's the most important thing that you can have. Now, I always like to have a title to a message. I don't know if you can understand this, but I'll explain it to you. The title that I would give to this person is Saul the Enigma. Saul the Enigma. Now, I don't believe that Americans have a different interpretation of that word enigma, and so I'll tell you exactly what we believe the word enigma means. The dictionary will tell you that enigma means a riddle. Now you say, what's a riddle? Well, it goes on to say, a puzzling person. A puzzling person. And he was a puzzling person. That's why I called him an enigma. You see, here's a person with great potential, and yet he failed so badly. And my question was, would be simply this. How did this man, who had everything on his side, fail so miserably? There's lots of older people here this morning and perhaps they look back upon their life. And when they were young, they gave their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and they believed that the Lord has blessed them through their life. But there came a moment, there came a time in their lives when perhaps they failed 
and they didn't do the things which were right before God. And so, in a certain sense, they're an enigma as well. And there's only one way back to God, and that's through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and through the precious blood that he shed. Here's a person who had great potential. Now, let me tell you exactly why I say that. First of all, he was accepted by the prophet. This prophet was Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of the whole of the Bible. And we know that he was accepted by him. Do you know the first thing that Samuel did to this man? He anointed him with oil. You'll know that before a man could ever serve God, in any capacity, he had to be anointed with oil. And being anointed with oil showed that this was God's authority upon him. And this was God's acceptance of him. He was to be set apart from now. When you came, come to the great temple that we were thinking of, about in our service last night uh, that Solomon built, then all, everything that was used in that temple was anointed with oil. Even the plates and the tongs and all the different little bits and the big pieces as well, they were all anointed with oil. And what it really means is set apart. You know, a Christian is anointed, not exactly literally with oil, but anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way in which we can really serve God and do his will. And then, not only did he anoint him, but he kissed him. I wonder if you can imagine in your mind, here's the prophet, he's now an old man, and he comes up to uh, King Saul, because he's now king, he's been anointed, and I'm sure he couldn't reach up to his face, and so Saul has to bend down, and in bending down he kisses his cheek. And that kiss there was recognition. Samuel recognized that this was the man of God. You can read all this in those verses, those chapters about around chapter 9 and think uh, what I've just quoted to you is really from chapter 10 and, and verse 1. And then not only was he accepted by the prophet, he was blessed of God. We find him among the prophets and we also find him uh, that the Spirit of God is upon him. And he's amongst them. So he's spiritually blessed of God. You know, I wouldn't stand here this morning, and I mean this sincerely, I wouldn't stand here this morning unless I believe that I've been blessed of God. And every Christian wants to really know that they're blessed of God. It's the most wonderful experience to be blessed of God. And when you're blessed of God, you want to serve God, you want to do his will, and you want to serve him with all your might. And, and, and here is a man who is blessed of God. There's no question uh, about that. And so he's equipped for the task. He wasn't just a king just by luck or by chance. God had chosen him and God had blessed him and people were recognizing that he really was the king. And then also he's followed by the people. Again, I turn to this chapter 10. And if you look at 10 and verse 26... You'll see here, and Gideon went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. So he has a band of men behind him. In fact, he has all of Israel uh, behind him. And yet, with everything in his favor, he disobeyed God. Let me tell you how he disobeyed God. God said that he must wipe out or eliminate the Amalekites. Now here's the link with Joshua. Remember when 
I said to you yesterday how the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they came into the wilderness and they were attacked by the Amalekites. The Amalekites came down from the mountains and they tried to destroy all the people who were coming at the back or the end of the great march out of Egypt. And they did destroy them. And so there was a great battle. And the battle, of course, was with Joshua and with the Amalekites. And God blessed because there was a great victory. But not all the Amalekites were destroyed. And yet in Saul's day, Saul had the opportunity to destroy the Amalekites. But instead of destroying them, he kept the king alive and he kept lots of the sheep and the goats and the, and the animals alive as well. And God had said that he must eliminate them, but he disobeyed God. And you know, that's the reason why he was rejected as a king and rejected as a person. We often speak about hell. It's not a very nice subject, but when we die, we know we go to heaven or we go to hell. There's no question about that. Why do people go to hell? Because they disobey God. That's the reason. Or we could say lots of other things about it. But it all boils down to one thing. If you disobey God, you will go to hell. And what do I mean by disobey God? Not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not obey his son, Jesus, and come to him. Ask him for forgiveness and cleansing. I was a boy of ten when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour. And I'm glad I came to him while I was young. Because all my life then I've sought to serve the Lord. And that's the best thing that you can do. And if there's any boy or girl here today who wants to know the way of salvation, you speak to your teacher or you speak to one of us and we'll be very happy and glad to show you how you can be saved because that's most important. But remember, disobedience will take you to hell. Now, when King Saul disobeyed God, he did not have the help of Samuel. Uh, Samuel was an old man and his sons who should have followed him were not very good people at all. So they didn't follow Samuel in his work. But Samuel knew that the kingdom had been taken away from him and so Samuel wasn't with him at all. Saul then went on in his life but he went on in his life without God. And you know it's a terrible thing to live life without God. I don't know how people get on without God. I know that I love to pray every day. I lead the Bible every day. I'm not boasting, I'm just telling you what I do. But when I read the Bible, I find the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to me through his word and speaks to me. I mean, even when I pray, the Lord speaks to me. So that day by day and hour by hour, the Lord Jesus Christ is with me. And I know that. And through difficulties that I've had in my life, and I've had lots of difficulties, I really have, and, and, and yet the Lord has been with me. To go through life without the Lord Jesus Christ is the worst thing possible. And I say to everyone here this morning, there's no reason for that, there's no need for that. Come to the Lord Jesus, receive him as your saviour. May he be the one that is in charge of your life and the Lord will bless you, he really will. So here's a man who was without God. Do you know what he did? when he wanted to find out something very important, he turned to witchcraft. Witchcraft is the worst thing that you could ever imagine because it's the devil's art and he certainly did many bad things. And then when he died, he died by suicide. He fell on his own sword. I'm just telling you the facts 
rather than the detail uh, about it. But that was what pagans used to do. So Saul, in the end of his life, was a pagan. He'd gone so far away from God. And that's why I call him Saul the Enigma. He had everything on his side, everything that was good, and yet look what happened to him. He fell away and did not never had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, the prominent figure in Saul's life was David. And all of us know something about King David. He was the mighty man of the Old Testament in many respects, of course. And uh, we love to hear the stories of David, which certainly are wonderful stories. What I want to try to say to you this morning is this. This is very important. His relationship with David defined his life. You know, sometimes we have to say that these people of the Old Testament are pictures for us. David is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So when you see David, you can see what, how the Lord reacted and what the Lord does. And I'm going to try, if I can, to take a picture there and show you what I really mean by this. And the first thing that you have to say is that Saul was dependent on David. Saul was dependent upon David. I think every person in the congregation this morning could tell me the story about David and Goliath. The picture that you have before you is of the Valley of Elah. And we know that that valley uh, was surrounded by mountains. But there were two special mountains and there was a valley that ran right between them. In the valley was a, a stream and in that stream, even till this, to this very day, is full of white stones. Just like the little pebbles or the stones that David went down and collected five, didn't he? upon that uh, momentous occasion. Of course, you can imagine in your mind that the Philistines were on one mountain and Israel was on the other mountain. Between them was a quarter of a mile. So you can imagine them on the mountains and they could shout to each other, but they couldn't actually touch each other because, of course, it was that far distance between them. Uh, The place was about uh, maybe just over a mile away from uh, Bethlehem. Uh, The Philistines were taking revenge or seeking to take revenge because of the defeats that they had suffered uh, against Israel. And and so uh, there was going to be a great battle between uh, the uh, Philistines and the Israelites. Remember, people are going to ask you questions about this, and so listen carefully, and I hope that uh, you'll understand what I'm trying to say to you at this moment. The Philistines had a new champion, and you'll remember, of course, that his name was Goliath. And Goliath, of course, was a very big, 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 big man, bigger than Saul, there's no question about that. I don't know how high he was, or how big he was, because we don't really know the exact measurements which are given to us in the Word of God. But one thing we do know, that he was the biggest man there, There's no question about that. And not only that, but he had armour on that was like a a modern-day tank. So you couldn't hardly get near him at all, and it would be impossible uh, to destroy him. But he came out every day, and he came out every day for 40 days. And he shouted to the Israelites twice a day, and his shout was against 
the God of Israel. And it was against Israel and challenged them to find a champion of the, their own that would fight with him. Now here is Saul, this mighty man that we've discussed, that we've said, but he didn't have Samuel with him. This was the very time when Samuel had disappeared out of his life. And here comes, uh, here comes this great champion of the Philistines challenging them and uh, Saul doesn't know what to do. There's no man who can challenge him, there's no man who can fight. And, and the idea was that instead of a battle between the armies, uh, that two people would just fight, and whoever was the winner, the other side would have to submit totally to them. Now remember, I'm talking to you about Saul being dependent upon David. And you remember how David came, didn't he? And how David came at that very precise moment, while this great Philistine was shouting and speaking forth. And, and David comes... And he sees what's happening. He brings food for his, for his brethren, for his brothers. And uh, they despise him, of course. And they don't really want anything to do with him. But David says he'll fight him. He's already fought a lion and he's also fought a bear. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a lion that's rampant. Or perhaps a bear standing on its hind legs. It would be much, much bigger than you and much, much bigger than me. Much bigger than anybody here, and you can imagine, how did David, how did David win the battle against them? I don't know. But I have to say that, of course, it must have been the Lord who helped him and was with him. And so David comes, and David is willing to fight this man. He's willing to do, he's willing to do battle with him. Uh, just a young boy. Do you know how old he was? Seventeen. So he wasn't very old, was he? And here's a 17-year-old little boy and he's going to come and fight this mighty great champion of the Philistines. An impossible task. An impossible task. But boys and girls and older people too here this morning, we know that even in impossible tasks, God, if God is with you, then all things are possible. And so Saul looks at David and he says, listen, he's the only one who will respond to the challenge. He's the only one who will go and fight this great Philistine. So it was decided that he would go. And, and we know something about it, don't we? And we know what really happened. But the important thing is, Saul is going to rely upon David. He depended upon David. Now remember I said to you that David is a type, is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of us here this morning, we depend upon Jesus Christ. We look back upon the cross at Calvary and we see how he died in our place and said, without Jesus, where would we be? Without Jesus, what would we be? And we have to say that he's the saviour, he's our saviour, the only saviour of the world. We depend upon him. We depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we pass on and I want to speak to you about Saul deriding David because when you look at David how on earth was he going to win how is he going to do that but here, here's the picture first of all he was sent of his father Jesse was his father wasn't he and Jesse sent his son so that he might do battle for Israel and that's the first thing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who sent him? It's the Father. 
God the Father who sent Jesus into the world so that he would do battle against the devil, that great servant of the devil, and, and to overcome for him. And we know that. And then also he was scorned by his brethren. They laughed at him. I can imagine them laughing at him and looking at him and seeing him. And they would laugh at him and continue to laugh at him as well. I wonder if you've ever laughed at the Lord Jesus. See, if you're not listening now, perhaps it's because you're laughing at the Lord Jesus. And that's a sad thing to do. It's a very bad thing to do as well. And you need to understand that the Lord Jesus spread through all that before and you're doing it again to him. Remember how he is a servant and the Lord Jesus is the servant that comes and he, of course, is the saviour, the only one that can overcome. Now what a picture you have in front of you then. You have a picture, don't you, of David fighting Goliath, but you also have a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world to save us. And how was he going to save us? To overcome the devil. And when he died upon the cross, he overcame the devil. And that's what he really did. And we sing, hallelujah, what a saviour. Why? Because he's the only saviour of the world. And we rely upon him. And then the next thing you see is that Saul detested David. Now, why did he detest him? Because David took his little sling, didn't he? With one stone in it. And that one stone went up, up and right into the forehead of the giant. It was the only place that wasn't covered. Probably went through an eye slot, that's what it's thought. And, and hit him in the forehead and the giant came tumbling down. And David took the sword, didn't he? I don't know how he was to carry it, it was so heavy. But he cut off his head. He won the battle, didn't he? We all know the story. But why did Saul detest David? He detested David because he had a jealous spirit. If a person doesn't know the Lord and doesn't know Christ as their saviour, very often they have a jealous spirit. Jealousy is a terrible thing. It can grip our souls. It can grip our lives. Don't be jealous. You've got no reason to be jealous about anything. And Saul didn't. He was still king and he could rule. And now he had a man who was loyal to him right to the very end. But he had jealousy and he wanted to destroy David. Three times he threw a javelin at David and he missed. But listen, Saul was an expert with javelins. He was an expert aimer. And yet he missed David on three occasions. Why do you think he did that? Because God looked after David. And we have to say that today, of course, there's so many people that detest the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he died upon the cross for them and he shed his precious blood that uh, he might be their saviour, how, how sad, how sad that they should detest the Lord Jesus. What about you? Do you know him? Do you love him? Uh, do you want to serve him or do you detest him? In other words, you've turned your back upon him. You don't want anything to do with him. How sad when Jesus did everything that was necessary for your salvation. Oh, that you might know him and love him and serve him yourself. And then we come to the point where David, Saul disowned David as well. How did he, dis how did he disown David? Well, David was so mad, Saul was so mad against him uh, that it drove David away. Even though he'd married his daughter, 
And even though his son was certainly in love with him, uh, and it was a pure, lovely love, even though that was the case, yet he had to go for his life. And he went out into the wilderness. And he made his bed in the wilderness. He made his bed in the forest. He made his bed in the caves. Never again for ten years would he, alas, sleep in a bed in a house. Uh, and yet he was in such a great position in Israel. How sad. He was hunted like an animal. Uh, and everywhere he went, he knew that King, Dave, King Saul had sent his soldiers out, who were all experts, to try and find him and try and destroy him. How sad for the one who had saved him and saved Israel upon that great occasion in Eli Valley against the, the great giant himself. And yet, it was Saul's purpose to slay him. But of course he couldn't do that because God's hand was upon him. But for ten years it actually happened. And you can imagine just what happened. All the lovely stories, all the wonderful stories about David and how Saul went after him. And David could have killed Saul on a number of occasions. And the verse that we began with this morning introducing Saul to us is a story about how David indeed could have killed him, but he didn't kill him at all. And that was because he still recognized that he was king of the land. Could you imagine just what happened at the end? In the end, there was a great battle with the Philistines. And Saul went out, but he, remember, he goes out without God. And in that battle, not only he died, but his sons died as well. He had seven sons, and they all died. They all died. How sad that really was. And they took his body and they cut off his head. This is the Philistines. And they hung it up in one of the cities. There was good men who went and got himself. But how sad that a man should end his life in such a manner and in such a way. And why did he end his life in that way? Because he rejected God. But it all began with disobedience. Disobedience. I know that your teacher speaks to you about obeying. And we have to obey things. We have to obey our school rules. We have to obey uh, the country's laws. And it's important that we do that. But much more important is that you obey God and you do his will and you do that which is right in his sight. And so Saul died. But what would you put on his tombstone? Perhaps it would be Saul the enigma that we began with. A, a puzzling person. A puzzling person that God had given him so much and yet he ended with so little and I believe went to a lost eternity. Make sure you don't go to a lost eternity. Make sure that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. It's always been a puzzle to people. Why did David take five stones out of that brook? He only needed one, didn't he? Did he have lack of faith? No, I believe God told him to take five. Why did he take five? Well, there's one theory and perhaps it may be right and maybe correct. You see, there was Goliath. He needed one, didn't he? And that one was used on Goliath, but Goliath had either five, four, four brothers or four sons. The word is not sure whether it's son or, or, or brother, but he did. And right at the very end of his life, David slays every one of those four. Why did he need five stones? Because there were five giants. And you know, we have giants in our lives. The giant of jealousy, we thought about. The giant of disobedience is another one, isn't it? 
And you could go on and speak about other giants that come to destroy our lives, even the giant of lust uh, and the giants of sin and what they are. Uh, and you and I need to slay them, get rid of them out of our lives so that we can serve the Lord as we should and do his will. So uh, this morning our story is concerning another leader. But this time, instead of being a great success, a great failure, I wonder what will be about your life in the end. Will it be a great success because you follow the Lord Jesus Christ and you seek to do his will and you follow his way? Or will it be, will it be a failure because you fail to do that which is right before the Lord? Thank you for joining us for another service from the annual Birmingham Bible Conference here at Glen Iris Baptist Church in South Birmingham. If you would like a CD copy of Dr. Green's message, please call us at 205-323-1516. Again, that number is 205-323-1516. Or if you choose to write and request copies of these messages, Send your correspondence to Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Again, that address is Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Thank you for joining us either on WAY-TV Channel 47 or WGIB Radio the Where God is Blessing Broadcasting Network.